doing, Eastside? Come on now. Come on, man. Good to see you. Thanks for being here. We're thrilled to have you in the house of God. Welcome to our online community all over, man. It's just great having y'all. We are just so happy that you're here, and we're going to dive into some things in the Word of God right now that I think is going to be kind of encouraging and helpful, kind of a build-up type study that we're going to do here uh, together. But I mean, I'm so happy that you're here. I remember a long time ago, I was reading through this newspaper article, and I wish I still had it. I don't, I don't have it anymore. I'd love to be able to show it to you exactly. But it was about this community that they wanted to kind of find out what is the best way that they can figure out how to get deadbeat dads uh, to pay child support. So apparently that's kind of a big problem in our culture today. And so here's what they did. They checked out a lot of different communities and they went into them and they basically asked them, how do you convince these guys to pay their fair share to help take care of their kids? How do you get them to do it? And so what they did is they found out how all these communities did it. They did it different strategies, different ways. And if you're in the room right now and you're thinking, yeah, I'd like to know too, because I'm owed some money. Um, they took all these strategies and they put them in an equal time frame. So like this strategy, let's cover it for a year and then that one for a year and let's put them back to back and see which strategy works the best. And I remember some of the strategies in the article, one of them was, you know, publish their name in the newspaper, and one of them try to work through their employer and garnish their wage, and, and one of them was, you know, basically turn them over to the cops, and so they had all these strategies, and the reason they wrote the article was there was one strategy that was more effective than all the others combined, and here was the strategy. One community hunted down the dads that didn't pay their child support, <laughs> and they told their moms about it. They said, your deadbeat son isn't taking care of your grandchildren. And dude, the problem was solved because you ladies got power. Am I right? Huh? Am I telling the truth of the house? Okay. And today, what we want to do is we want to spend a little time and we want to give honor to you because of that. Now, this is a little different, what we're going to do here in our study. We've been in some pretty heavy stuff lately and some real challenging studies. And so, if you're kind of, you know, you've been here for a while, you know, man, last two, three series have been some really good stuff for us as believers to kind of step our game up in our journey with Christ. And so what we're gonna do this weekend is we're just gonna kind of have some fun in a little bit of Bible study about moms. And I think you're gonna walk out of here with some encouragement and a little bit of laughter and maybe a few things maybe we can kind of kind of work on a little bit. Now I wanna say something before I, I jump into this. I think, I think this is really important. I just think we need to acknowledge it and, and move on from it. Mother's Day. Mother's Day is really painful for some people. Am I right? Okay. It's, it's just not all great things for all people. And for some people, Mother's Day is a tough thing. Not everybody had a great mom. And if you had a great mama, that's, that's awesome. But not everybody had that. Some of us, as, as I heard somebody say today, uh, some of us didn't have the mama we kind of hoped to have had. There's, there's some people who are trying to learn to live without their mom. 
I know about that. And there's folks in our church, it's their first Mother's Day without having a phone call to make. There are ladies in our church who'd give a million dollars to be able to be a mom. And so I, I just want you to know that, that we're going to have fun with it, okay? We're going to dive into the Word of God and be encouraged. It's going to be rah-rah. going to be kind of upbeat. But, but I just want to be sensitive to people where this may kind of be a bit of a struggle for you. And I want to be sympathetic to that. I want to be sensitive to that. And my hope is that you can turn your focus with us here to a little bit of idea about what motherhood ought to be, Okay? And celebrate that in our culture, even though you might have you might have got cheated out on that a little bit. So here's what I want to do with you, and I, I hope you'll enjoy it as much as I've had. I've had a great time this week working on it because what we've done for seven weeks, as as Neil shared, is we've been talking about Jesus being the goat, the great I, the great I am, and so we talked about the seven I am statements in the Bible where Jesus said, "Hey, this is who I am." Okay, I am, and seven different times, and we've been talking about that, and that's pretty heavy. And so for a couple weeks, what we've been or a couple months, what we've been dealing with is Jesus saying, "Hey, let me tell you about myself." Okay, but here's what we're gonna do. Here's what we're gonna do today is we're gonna take kind of a natural flow from that, and instead of Jesus saying, hey, let me tell you about myself, here's what Jesus is gonna do. Jesus is gonna say, let me tell you about my mom. Let me tell you about my mom. And so I kinda of got this idea as we are working through it about going into the Bible and saying, let's look at every single place where Mary is mentioned. Let's go look at the Bible and say, okay, where's Mary at? When's the only time we ever talk about Mary? When is it? Christmas, okay? So Jesus would say, okay, she's, she's more than Christmas, okay? So let me tell you about my mom. Instead of me telling you about me, let me tell you about my mom. And, and so we're going to look at the word of Jesus, and we're going to see what he said. Now, Mary does not come up as many times as what you would have thought. I was kind of surprised about that. This is the very first time in all my ministry I've ever done a, a message only about Mary. And so when that idea came to my mind, I dove into it and I thought, man, there are going to be all kinds of places in the Bible talk about Mary. And that isn't true. She doesn't get a whole lot of press. She gets a lot less than what you think. But what you're going to find out is that when she comes up, Dude, I'm, I'm telling you, it says something about the value and the honor of women in our culture, of mothers in our culture. Crazy important. Now, here's what I found. I just want to kind of show you the results of it, and we're going to play around with it a little bit. There are five seasons in the life of Jesus where Mary shows up in his life. And these are the five seasons here. His birth... And there were multiple examples and places in the Bible where we talk about Mary surrounding the birth of Jesus, obviously. That's why when you think Mary, you think Christmas. During his childhood, there are three instances where Mary comes up in stories about his childhood. During his ministry that happened when he was around 30 years old, and we think for about three years. So during that period of time where he was a minister, a, a, a proclaimer of the gospel, Mary shows up twice. One time she's mentioned at the cross, and then one time she's mentioned after the resurrection, and Jesus has ascended into heaven, and then Mary comes up one time after that. And that's it. That's all there is to the story about Mary in the Bible. But here's what you find out. 
And this is where I think it's going to be encouraging and helpful. It's going to be kind of a fun little Bible study. Is that in every one of those seasons, when we look at Mary, as if Jesus were saying, let me tell you about my mom during these times, that you're going to find something about the value, the value of ladies in our culture, the value of moms around us. So here's what I mean by that. Let me jump into the birth aspect. And during the season of the birth, what we find out is this feature of bonding comes up. And so Jesus, we're speaking, and he said, okay, I'm gonna tell you about my mom when I was born, okay? He would talk about the concept of a bonding between those two. Now, I thought about that a little bit. I've had the great fortune of witnessing birth three times, okay? And so I had three sons, I got to be there at all of them, and I wanna say something publicly that I've never said ever for the first time in all my life, okay? So my wife is out of town tonight, so be my friend. After I say it, and you don't think she ought to hear it, come up and tell me, and I'll take this out for Sunday when she's gonna be here, okay? But I wanna tell you something that I have never understood about that whole experience. Nine months of pregnancy, okay, and then however many hours of labor and delivery and all that kind of stuff. I mean, stressful, painful, incredible, nothing more intense than the last few minutes of delivery. I mean, just awful, awful, awful stuff. And so, why is it? that right after the birth of the child, the mom looks at the child who has caused the worst pain of her life. And she says, let me hold my baby. I don't get that as a guy, okay? If we guys gave birth, here's what we'd say. Give me that kid, I'm gonna throw him up against a wall. Well, why is that happening? Why is this bonding occurring? We had had our our children back in the ice ages, so they did things differently back then. And so what I'm gonna tell you is honest truth, okay? Uh, My wife, first time she got pregnant, she says, this is natural, this is natural. I said, what are you even talking about? She said, no drugs, no drugs. We're going to hospital, I'm gonna gut it out, I'm gonna be a pro, man. No drugs whatsoever. And so first child going to hospital, two days of labor, two days, two full days of labor, no drugs, natural, natural, natural. She's screaming. I'm going, why natural? Second child would come in here, four days of labor. You heard that right. Four days, four straight days of labor. Not natural, natural. We drive up to the hospital for the third child, and Susan walks in, where's the drugs? Where's them drugs at? Where's them drugs? I mean, what is it about this whole idea of incredible pain and bonding? Listen carefully, this is God's design. That God designed that there is an unequaled bonding between mother and child, and it occurs through difficulty, that difficulty and pain and hardship bring those two people together. And if Jesus were telling the story about his mom, he'd say, that's what happened with me and my mom. 
Just think about Mary and everything she went through surrounding the birth of Jesus. Can you wrap your head around the turmoil that must have come as a result of the angel's first announcement to her? Ladies, think about that, okay? Y'all go to Walgreens, get your little test, okay, all right? And you come home and, oh, you know, okay. How would you like it if just an angel showed up and told you? I mean, what's that even do to your psyche? Can you even, can you even imagine the tension when Mary tries to explain this to her fiance? And I ain't been with no other man. And can you even think about what that meeting around the dinner table was like? We, we usually only hear this uh, at Christmas time, but let me read it, okay? And uh, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna tell you something about it, kind of give you a new, new view of it. But we all hear this in December, okay? So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. And he went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. You've heard that your whole life. Let me tell you what it really is going on here. Somewhere, at nine months of pregnancy, or right around there, Joseph makes this suggestion, how about we take a three-day trip to Bethlehem and walk there? And if it hurts too bad, Mary, you can jump on a donkey, okay? How do you even deal with that if you're Mary? It'd be like if you looked at your eight or nine month pregnant wife and said, hey baby, you wanna walk to Cincinnati, catch a Reds game tonight, okay? What are you even talking about? And we celebrate this verse in the Bible, man, we put it on a wrapping paper, we stick it in our Christmas songs, we think, oh, that's so beautiful. Look at this verse, we love it. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger. Somebody say, oh, you know what that is? That is the trough where the pigs ate. Some of you mamas interview hospitals that you're thinking about having your baby. You interview them, you tour them, you look under the bed, you look at the corners. How about a pig bowl for you to lay your baby in? This is crazy stuff that God knew that hardship, the difficulty during pregnancy would cause a bond. See, you, you may never have considered that, that something happens there under the design of God. I'm not a doctor. I did a little amateur research with this, checked it out with somebody I know. They said, man, it's right. There is a, uh, there's a hormone uh, called oxytocin, and what oxytocin does when it's released in your body, it's kind of the, the feel-good emotional uh, chemical between human beings, okay? So if you're really close to somebody, oxytocin is coming out of your body. Listen carefully to this. During the final stage of labor, the final stage of labor, during the most painful moment of labor, oxytocin jumps up fourfold in women. And that happened with the mother of Jesus, and that happened with your mom. 
And that's why it's one of the strongest relationships a person will ever have in their life. And Jesus would say, my mom and I were bonded by that. That's a beautiful, beautiful thought. Let me go to another season of life of Jesus. And he would say, let me tell you this about my mama. So in a childhood, when Jesus was raising up, and we find there that he would say, now I remember my mom being very protective of me during that period of time. And scripture gives us three stories about when Jesus was, was raising up as a young boy. And one of them is when he was really early, we think probably maybe somewhere between one and two, somewhere around there, uh, they, they got word that Herod was gonna jump into Bethlehem and kill all the kids, okay? Two years and younger, because he'd heard that the king of the Jews was born and we're just gonna eliminate that threat and, and Herod saw it as a threat. And so the family flees to Egypt and that makes all the sense in the world because when a mom senses danger to her kids, she will do anything to protect them, anything. There's a fascinating story uh, during that time frame um, when Jesus was 12, and it's a beautiful story in the Bible, and the family had went to Jerusalem for a religious holiday, and everybody uh, who believed in God went to Jerusalem during that big time holiday, and then at the end of the holiday, they all went back to their own towns. And so the story kind of wraps around the fact that the holiday was over, and everybody had been in Jerusalem, and now they're all heading back. It's like a caravan of people moving out and going to their own homes. And, and so in the mix of all that, we're just, we're just kind of leaving town, uh, Jesus, who's 12, somehow gets separated from his, his mom and dad. He just gets separated, and so they're walking along, all of a sudden they realize, where, where's Jesus? And so you see that in, in chapter two of Luke, and it reads like this, after the feast, the holiday was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem because they were unaware of it. Thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a day. Anybody remember, uh, what was it, Kevin lost in New York or something like that? They traveled a day. Where's Jesus? Where's Jesus? Now, I'm just going to be a truth teller and tell you what happened. It's not in the Bible, but this has happened. That was Joseph's fault. Am I right? Huh? That wasn't Mary's fault. Mary in charge of that. That would have never happened. That had never been in the Bible. She would have never, because of protective nature. I remember one time my family got home from church one day, and uh, our kids were little. They were just kind of raising up. And uh, we came to the house, and we got in the house. We got out of our church clothes, got in our relaxed clothes, and we went down to the kitchen. We had a nice old dinner or lunch Susan just made. We're sitting there eating lunch, and we're a family of five, and we just chowing around, looking around, and we noticed we're all of a sudden family of four. And somebody said, where's Kirk at? And I looked at Susan, I said, didn't you bring him home from church? And her eyes glared at me and said, that was your job. <laughs> so I jump in the car and I fly back to church. I mean, the place is dark, it is locked up. I mean, it is closed. I open the door, I rush into the lobby area and there's my 10 year old, he's sitting on the steps, just like this, all by himself in the dark. And he sees me and goes, that ain't funny, dad. <laughs> <laughs> now, Mary would have never done that, ever. Now, let me get serious here for a second, because this is one of the toughest struggles that moms have. Because early in the child's life, that 
protection that you have over your kids is your responsibility, and, and you need to do that, ladies. You need to do that. But as, as time goes on, there's a critical need for you to lengthen that leash a little bit and let them learn on their own and let them make some of their own decisions and face their own consequences. And that is generally harder for you ladies than us dads. And sometimes ladies find that so hard because of the protective nature that God has put in you that you just can't get there. And that's why, nobody raise your hand as a testimony, don't do this, but there are adults in this room right now who live under the constant scrutiny and intrusion of your mother. Because it's never stopped, and that can be a problem. So moms, be protective, okay? Fulfill those instincts when they're needed most. But, but, but sometime, you, you, gotta, you gotta let that go a little bit. And if they're young, incorporate it, okay? Because your family needs it, okay? If it's left, there's a lot of people in this room that if it wasn't for your mom, you'd have died by five years old, okay? Because she protected you from silliness. But at some point, you kinda gotta let that leash out a little bit. Now, let me show you another aspect of Jesus saying, let me tell you about my mom, and that's during his ministry. And you'll see their support there. We got two stories where the mother of Jesus is at uh, his ministry. So during that three-year period of time where he's going from town to town and healing people and taking care of the poor and preaching uh, the good news of God, that during that, two times, Mary shows up. And she probably was there a whole lot more. We just got two stories about it where she's showing up to support, support her, uh, her son. One of the famous ones was the wedding, okay? Remember that? He's doing the wedding, and he turns the, the water into wine. And you might remember, if you don't know, this is a great thing to understand, that the mother of Jesus, Mary, she, she got that thing going, okay? She started that. She went to the catering staff of the wedding, and she pointed at her son, she goes, he's gonna tell you what to do, whatever he tells you to do, you do. He'll take care of this whole problem. That's this verse, we've all looked at it, check it out. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you to do. So here's Jesus in his ministry, just getting started, and his mom shows up, okay, and here's what she says. He's the man, he's the dude, he is the greatest. You do whatever he does. She held her son up in ministry. You know what, it doesn't matter how old you get. Listen to me carefully. It doesn't matter how old you get. You never tire of hearing your mom brag about you. Am I right? You never get to the where you've outgrown that. Never. You love to hear your mom brag about you. Outside of my wife, my mom blindly believed in me more than any other person on the earth. I called her almost every Thursday night after church. I'd leave here when I'm done with y'all, and I've had it with y'all. <laughs> and I get in the car, and it's been a long week, you know, and, and I get in the car, and almost every Thursday night, on my drive home, about a half hour, I call my mama. And I had a hard time on Thursday night. I never told y'all this. I had a hard time on Thursday nights after my mom died that I didn't have somebody call on the way home. How many times? Some of y'all know this. 
when she's gone. Some of y'all know how, how you grab for that phone, huh? And so I would, I would call her on Thursday nights and my mom could never understand how anybody who lived in the greater, you know, Southern Indiana, Northern Louisville area, she could never understand how anybody could leave, live in this area and not be a part of my church and listen to me preach. She couldn't understand that. And I would say things like, mom, you ever, you ever hear of Bob Russell? <laughs> you ever hear of Dave Stone? You ever hear of George Ross? I said, those are great men, great churches, some of the best in the world. She said, they ever hear you? I said, no, they haven't, Mom, they haven't. And I think, as I look back, I wonder sometimes if I didn't call on Thursday night, because that's the end of my week, okay, I call on Thursday night, because I know I'm gonna be lifted up. Moms, don't ever forget the power you have to do that, and don't ever apologize for bragging about your kids, never. God made you that way. I don't go overboard. <laughs> don't be Marie Barone, that lady on Everybody Loves Raymond, okay? Don't be doing that. But you keep your support going. Let me go to the fourth area of the life of Jesus where he would say, hey, let me, let me tell you this about my mom. And that was during cross. And what we find in cross there is, is a heartbreak. And of everything you look here, this is the one that causes maybe to lose a little, lose a little gas. Lose a little energy there. There's a little trivia thing I think is helpful. People ought to know. Christ, Christians, y'all ought, ought to know this. This right here. When you when you grab the Bible, there there are four places in the Bible that are whole books that are written about the biography of Jesus. And so y'all know about that. If you're a Christian, y'all to know that. Y'all to have that knowledge. There are four books in the Bible that are called Gospels. They are the life of Jesus. They were written by Matthew and Mark and Luke and John. Four four of those. There are first four books in the New Testament, and they basically say, we're going to write the life story of this guy. And there's a lot of things in, in those four accounts that kind of mirror each other. They, they kind of told a lot of the same stories, and they're in all four accounts. There's times when it's exact because we know some copying was going on, okay? And then every once in a while, just one of them would tell a story, okay? And nobody else would tell that story. And, and that happens at the cross. Because all four tell about Jesus dying on the cross. I mean, outside the resurrection, it is the single greatest event in human history. And so all four told about the cross. But listen carefully to this. Only John, only one of the four, only John tells us that his mom was there. Matthew, Mark, and Luke never mention about Mary being at the cross, but John said she was there. She was there. I want you to see in a minute where that comes up, but I want you to ask yourself a little bit, why would John mention that his mom was there? Nobody else said anything about that. I mean, if you and I were reporters and we're, we're watching this thing happen, this unbelievable thing happen at Calvary, and, and you're starting to pay attention to the people around, the soldiers and, you know, different people. I, I mean, who doesn't notice? Dude, his mom is there. And only John mentioned it. Why? Well, we know that John and Jesus were like best friends. If you ever wanted to know um, who was the best friend of Jesus, it was John. 
And so, so John not only knew Jesus better than anybody, but because he knew Jesus better, he probably knew about his mother better. Some of you might come from homes where, where or, or, or neighborhoods or things where you grew up where, where one of your buddies, his mom, was kind of like your second mom. And you kind of call her mom. And, and that might have been the case here where John just, he just knew Mary because he was so close. But, but I think this is why John mentioned it. Not because he was close in the family, but John mentioned it because Jesus knew that his mom is going to have a hard time with this. And Jesus is dying on a cross, understands everything involved in it, and Jesus looks down and his mom is watching all this, and he knew this is going to be hard for her. She's going to need some help. And so Jesus looks down at John, his best friend, and he says, I need you to take care of my mom now. If you've never seen that come up in scripture, let me read it for you real quick. When Jesus, who is now on the cross, saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved, that's John, standing nearby, he said to his mother, dear woman, here is your son, pointing to John, and to the disciple, here is your mother. Take care of my mom. I don't know that there are very many human experiences that we go through that are more traumatic when a mom loses a child. It, it, it might be something that occurs while still in the womb. It might be something that happens later in life. It might be one of those things where it's like, okay, we got this out of order where the offspring dies before the parent, but there are few things that are more painful that a person ever experiences than that. There's no place in the Bible where this comes up in that, that scene that I want you to hear and just kind of understand the intensity around the cross here is that we know that on Friday after Jesus died, we know they took his body, we know they prepared it for burial, we know they, they placed it in a tomb. And then sometime, either Friday, probably toward the evening somewhere, we are told the story that there were two women at the tomb. So he's, he's just been buried, and there are two women there. And they tell us who the women were, and they say it was Mary Magdalene, who was a woman who was a devoted follower of Jesus, much of his ministry. Mary Magdalene was there all the time, man. And so Mary Magdalene was still at the grave. She was still at the tomb. And then the Bible says it was Mary Magdalene, and then it says this, and the other Mary. And so when you look at that, you wonder, who is the other Mary? Who is that? And Bible scholars for years and years and years have debated about that. You can Google that and read through all the vast material that's written to find out who is the other Mary. And, and Mary in those days was a very common name. And so there were a lot of ladies named Mary. So who is the other Mary on Friday? Now here's where it gets even more complicated. Because on Sunday morning... 
We then have another account of the tomb and the writers of the gospels go to the tomb and they're writing about what happens on Sunday morning and, and guess who's there? Guess who's there? there? There again is Mary Magdalene and the other Mary. And so whoever this other Mary was, was at the tomb right after the burial and one of the first on the scene Sunday morning. Who was this lady? Now, because we don't have the time, it's not even our, our purpose today to dive into that and kind of do the, the proof texting of all that, but here's what most scholars believe is the identity of the other Mary. It's what I tend to believe also, is that probably it was the sister of Jesus' mom. And, and without getting into the detail, I just want you to kind of buy that argument that most people believe as you do the, the research and study on it, and you say, that can't be, okay? So you got a lady named Mary, the mother of Jesus, and her sister was Mary? Did they come up with any other ideas, you know? And, and you, you think about it today, it was very, very common in those days. It was like Mary Beth and Mary Lynn. And if that is really what's happening, if that's really what's happening, and most people believe it is, watch, now you understand the intensity of this. So Mary, the mother of Jesus, watches her son die. And then they place her in a tomb, him in a tomb a little bit later, and so the burial's over with. And then on Sunday morning, when they go to kind of check out the grave again, this other Mary is there, and what is happening is that Mary, the mother of Jesus, says to her sister, I just, I just can't go. Would you go for me? And her sister says, you know I will. There are a few things that hurt as bad as when a woman loses her child, whether in the womb or as an adult. And so sometime in your life, and most of us have already been there, there's gonna be a lady around you in your life who loses a child, and she will need you to be there. And Jesus says, I remember that about my mama. Now, let me show you the, the last one. I think this is really the cool one. We'll be done with that. The last season of his life is ascension. And so, so after the resurrection, there's 40 days, okay? 40 days, uh, a month and a half, where Jesus is alive, okay? Walking around, everybody knows he's alive. And at the end of the 40th day, he ascends into heaven. If you ever heard of ascension, that's what it meant. He just went right up into heaven, and they were watching it. Can you imagine being there? What just happened? He ascended. And so now his closest followers, okay, the people who are still with him, we know that there were thousands that followed him. But if you know much about this, that when he ascended, we were down to 120 now, okay? Less than the number of people in this room right now. And so those people then go have a meeting. I love this. They go have a meeting. Jesus took up. Let's go have a meeting. They go into this upstairs room of this house, kind of the key among them, and they start talking about now how can we catapult the message of Jesus? How can we start telling everybody about Jesus? 
And we're told in the Bible, who is at the meeting? And it's in Acts chapter one, verse 14. Check it out. Acts 1.14, there we go. They all joined together constantly in prayer along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. Mary, his mom, was there thinking, how can we now tell the world about my son? I love that this is the last, don't miss this, it is the last time that Mary is ever mentioned in the Bible, right here, this is it. And why is that so important? Because what you and I have done in this little study is we have been looking at places in the Bible where Jesus would say, let me tell you about my mom. I wanna tell you about my mom. And the last picture of her goes like this. And watch this, ladies, because this is like so many of y'all. She says, I don't want you to talk about me. I wanna talk about you. That's why moms don't like all the attention at Mother's Day. You don't. You don't want your kids to spend all kinds of money on you. You, do, you really don't want all that. Now us dads, bring it on baby, you owe it to me, okay? Now moms, because moms would rather talk about their kids. Man, I think that's a great way for us to leave today. You might remember March 27th, 2020. That wasn't all that long ago in Cartersville, Georgia. It was in the very early days of COVID. And in that little community in Cartersville, hundreds of people in that community came up with an idea about this, this, this thing that's sweeping our country and it's scaring the heebie-jeebies out of all of us. And we got doctors and nurses just giving themselves on the line to care for people. And hundreds of people rallied together. They all came together and they went to the parking lot of that hospital. And they turned up the radios full blast and they started playing on the radios and singing at the top of their lungs to the doctors and the nurses and the workers who were given everything they had to care for these people. They started singing for them the hottest new Christian song that we had seen for years and years and years. And it was a song talking about him. And they were saying to people who were scared and worried that he, 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 He's the way maker. He's the miracle worker. He, he. And there ain't nothing better on a message about Mary than to us end it by saying, Mary don't want us to talk about her. Mary wants us to talk about him. So would you stand with me? And would you with all of your heart and everything you got, sing and talk about the one who can make anything happen.